Put your hand on a hot stove for a minute and it seems like an hour. Sit with a pretty girl for an hour and it seems like a minute. Albert Einstein said that. I don't know if he was a fan of motorsports, I've only ever really seen him with a bicycle, but it was a pretty apt description of them. While drivers spend three hours racing 500 miles in the blink of an eye, the pit crew does a job that feels like an eternity if it lasts 10 seconds. On today's show, in preparation for Sunday's 100th running of the Indy 500, we put a call in to Indianapolis to hear from two of Team Penske's mechanics, Travis Law and Trevor Lacasse, about what pit lane is like, what they do, what they don't do, what goes right, what goes wrong, and what I imagine is the shortest blooper reel ever. I'm Kevin Dupsick, and this is How Your World Works. With Indy 500 coming up this weekend, joining me today, I've got two guys who are experienced in the pit crew of two of the more successful drivers in the IndyCar circuit. Travis Law is the chief mechanic on the team for the number three Pennzoil Team Penske Chevrolet, driven by three-time Indy 500 winner Helio Castroneves. Travis, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. And also Trevor Lacasse, who's a mechanic with the number two Verizon Team Penske Chevrolet. That's driven by two-time winner and defending champ Juan Pablo Montoya. Trevor, thanks. Yeah, no trouble. So we really wanted to dig into what the experience is like in the pit, but I, I was wondering maybe if you guys could just both each explain sort of how you ended up coming to this line of work. I think that's a good starting point. Um, you know, for myself, uh, I grew up in, uh, in Iowa. Family was involved in dirt racing growing up since I can remember. Um, got to drive a little bit myself and decided that, uh, you know, I want to work on race cars for a living. And uh, to do that, Moving to North Carolina seemed like the right choice. <laughs> uh, so after after school, packed up, uh, headed to North Carolina, um, went to the NASCAR Technical Institute there in Mooresville, and um, right away got an interview with uh, with Team Penske on their sports car program, and uh, was able to join right after school in 2007, and uh, you know been with them from that point forward. Yeah. What about you, Trevor? Um, Pretty similar story. I grew up in New Hampshire with a racing family as well. Um, my background's more asphalt, late model racing, um, and I drove a little bit myself. Um, but after I graduated high school, I also moved to North Carolina, went to the same NASCAR tech school in, in Mooresville as well, and joined the sports car team at Penske in 2006, and uh, moved over to the Indy team in 2010, and I've uh, been doing that ever since. Yes, you guys both mentioned the tech school. I was, I was wondering what the training is like for somebody who wants to get this job. I mean, how different, I imagine probably very different, but how different is the, the, like the tech school that you guys attended compared to somebody who just wants to go uh, be a mechanic and you know, work, at, work at Jiffy Lube or their own garage? I think you actually see a lot of common threads uh, you know, when you go, go through school and into the race team. And, and honestly, the, the school is just... Uh, sort of the gateway into meeting somebody on the team. You have such a small community in the racing world that it's, it's sort of who you know more than what you know, and you just come with a good attitude and a good work ethic. Uh, so the school was, was the gateway to get that done. And you see a lot of successful mechanics that leave the same school and do uh, a very good job for many manufacturers and you know many uh, service centers across the U.S. Yes. The biggest thing you get out of school, you know, as far as wanting to go into the racing world is, is the connections that they have. And, you know, they can help you, you know, network a bit. Yes. Yeah, so, and then you guys both mentioned that you both drove a bit. How much does the fact that you guys were drivers, has that been helpful in your jobs as mechanics? I think so. You can, you know, relate a lot of, 
you know, or something, you, what you're doing now to what you did then, you know, you kind of have a bit more understanding what the car's doing. It gives you, and it gives you a good perspective, uh, you know, when the driver's frustrated or having a good day or, you know, you've probably been there yourself and you can relate to them a little bit and, you know, maybe make their day a little bit easier as well. I think, you know, a lot of those really small aspects that, that carry through um, doesn't make a little bit of a difference in understanding what you need to do. If the, you know, if the car is doing something or he's complaining of something, you might have some insight there yourself. So for somebody who's not familiar, can you guys describe what your pit booth looks like on race day and if it's different for each driver? So like for you guys, you know, each working with a different car, does your workplace look the same every race? Uh, yeah, pretty similar, actually. I think that's one thing with Team Penske. You see uh, everything's done to the same level, and we try very hard to, to execute that week in and week out, whether it be just, just how it looks or... Uh, where stuff is uh, under the tent. So for most road course races, we have uh, a large tent that comes off the side of four of our trucks that are parked uh, right next to each other. And you'll see all four of our cars under that same tent lined up next to each other. Uh, here in Indianapolis, we work out of the garages in the infield, and that's typical of, of most ovals. Uh, here we spend quite a lot of time getting that garage area prepared with uh, a lot of snap-on cabinets and flooring and uh and some extra lighting for us so it's it's very important for us of uh, the look uh workplace is the same and where everything is you may one may be working on the three car and the two car could need some help so you might you know send a guy or two that direction and it's pretty important actually to have that stuff the same uh you know where you work and on the cars so you guys are actually like building a, a garage on the spot at each new course so that it can be standardized and it's and it's faster than every time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we spend uh, our truck drivers do a phenomenal job in you know assisting us with that. And uh, every every street course, every road course, we're, we're setting up the the same awning, uh, same equipment, same way in the pit box. Uh, how you fuel the car during the race, and what we call a timing stand, where Roger, uh, the engineers, and ourselves sort of centrally uh, communicate with each other. Uh, is set up at every event. And who all is on the teams? You know, Trevor, like for your team, how many guys are there and what are each of their responsibilities? Each car has, uh, you know, a chief mechanic. As far as being on the car, you have a chief mechanic, front-end mechanic, who uh, handles the driver and his fit and everything on the front-end, front-wing. You typically have an engine guy who kind of maintains that um, at the racetrack and at the shop. And a rear end guy who'll take care of the gearbox, rear wings. Um, that's your basic on the car mechanics. Then you also have a gearbox guy who handles the gears, uh, differentials, um, and that during the weekend. Mm-hmm. So that, those are your core mechanic guys. And then, like Travis said, you have your timing stand crew, your engineer, your strategist, your DAG, and uh, a representative from Chevrolet who helps you know, tune on motors. So on the race day, what do you do to get ready? Race day, it's, it's sort of it's sort of fun for us. Uh, it's almost a time where all the work's been done, hopefully. At that point, you're, you're ready to go and you don't have any issues from that morning. And you generally have a warm-up that's about a half an hour or you might uh, run a couple set of tires, uh, might have a couple last things that you want to check, but uh, usually get some hot stops in. Uh, meaning the car comes in, change tires, simulate fuel, and it leaves. 
Um, get a couple of those in just to knock the rust off uh, that morning. And then usually it's come back in, in some minor minor changes, and it gets to be a little bit of a thrash uh, as far as getting the car back out to the race. But once the once you push up for the race, it's almost, uh, for most of us, relaxing because all the work's done at that point, and now you just have, uh, you know, a couple times for, you know, six seconds that you need to execute at a high level, uh, and the rest of it, you're, you're sort of uh, taking a breather, I guess. But those are like, a, I mean, those are nerve-wracking six seconds, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's different for, for everybody. I think for myself, it's, you know, take a lot of pride in it and, and have a lot of fun with it. So it's, it's a time where you, yeah, you kind of block everything out, out and get focused. And uh, it's, it's quite enjoyable, I think, for, for me. Yeah, it's a good track for sure, yeah. Um, Travis, I think I saw online that uh, you're on a team that won the pit stop competition at the Indy 500 last year. Is that right? Yeah, actually, and and it was pretty cool. Trevor uh, got to join us for that. We we entered two cars. Uh, it's a new thing we've sort of been doing, and uh, we kind of have a deal where we put our best guys on those two cars. So we'll pull from from all four crews. And uh, Trevor actually changed uh, inside rear on our car last year for us, and. We got to win the pit stop competition. Um, we're getting two cars ready this year. Uh, we've been pushing Roger to get Trevor back and uh, keep the band together, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's disappointing. I was gonna, I was going to try and get some rivalry going. Yeah, yeah. Last year it was a lot of fun, you know, hang out with those guys, and you know, if we, uh, you know, split it up again, it'd be a little tough uh, try to go against them. We were pretty, we were pretty strong there last year, so. Definitely not a, a group of guys you want to be going up against. So, okay, so you guys are really good at this. In those six seconds, what what's the order of operations? What's act, what, what actually happens that, that you pack into those six seconds? Well, the, it's it's funny. You, you know, most fans only get to see the, the time of the stop, but it's usually leading up to that. So uh, just to give you a little bit of insight, during the race, uh, on the timing stand, you have on the three-car, uh, Roger, um, who calls the race for us, and then uh, our engineer, uh, myself, and then uh, our DAG, who constantly is monitoring fuel throughout the race. And we're all, all talking on this intercom system about, okay, we may come in this lap or five laps from now, or, or what should we do? You know, maybe discussing it. And then, okay, what set of tires? Are we going to take blacks or reds? How much fuel? And you're monitoring other cars around to, you know, maximize that time on pit road. So leading up to the stop, it's sometimes quite hectic on what what decision, you know, is going to be made. And, and the guys aren't hearing most of that, which sometimes is probably a good thing, uh, you know. And then as the, the chief, um, you relay that information to them. So you kind of give them a little bit, okay, maybe five laps away here, guys, or windows opened up. Uh, and after you do that, you see everybody kind of get ready. Uh a lot of times you'll wait to set up over the wall. You're not showing your hand too soon. You don't want to give away that we're going to come in this lap that your competitor might see it. Oh, that's interesting. Times, yeah, a lot of times you set up very late. Uh, you kind of scramble to get over the wall. And um, at that point, you know, for myself, we remind the guys of what the plan is. So uh, whatever set of tires you're putting on, uh, everybody kind of checks over their tire. You let the fueler and the tire changers know how much fuel you're going to take just so they have a, a sort of play clock in their head going off, saying, okay, he said six seconds, so I know I have plenty of time to change my tire. Typically for um, most crews, you, 
you can do that in about four and a half seconds. Um, That's unbelievable. It fuels six seconds. You know you have a little bit of a buffer there. It's, it's no rush. Uh, and at that point, you're just looking for your, your car on pit lane. To get wait, wait, sorry. So you're saying changing the tires in four and a half seconds, there's no rush because the fueling takes six? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's weird, I guess, to think about it. <laughs> It's a very calming effect, actually. And as the chief, when you relay that information, you can tell, you know, certain guys react certain ways, but you can see this calm sort of come over. You say, guys, still going to be six, six and a half seconds here, nice and easy stop. And you, you, you see that, okay, yeah, cool, we got plenty of time. And uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's, if you ever have a problem on pit road, it feels like an eternity. You know, if you... You just missed the hub a little bit. I got. Yeah. I don't know what it is. You're still used to a four and a half second stop, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you follow something here or there. You think you're still sitting there for like ten seconds, and then afterwards, it's like, okay, that was like five and a half seconds. So you, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's almost like a time warp. But during a stop, everything slows down. Um, I think it's it's a product of doing a lot of practice, which we do, yeah. and doing it for for some years. Uh, you get you get pretty sorted, I guess. So okay, so you, so the tires take four and a half seconds. The fueling takes six. Is there anything else that's happening in that you know extra second and a half of luxury time you have? Yeah, definitely. If you know here at Indy, you're going to see guys make um, downforce level adjustments during the race. Uh, as a, usually the track's going to heat up uh, towards the end, so you may be adding some downforce, or maybe you had too much in the start, so you might be taking some out. And you do that by adjusting both the front and the rear wing uh, here and Pocono uh, is similar where you're going to make those adjustments. So the, the air jack guy who jacks the car up, he will do that in the rear. And then myself on the outside front or the inside front tire changer will make a front wing adjustment to uh, correspond with that. And then on road courses, you can do the same on the front wing. So there's audible that you might uh, throw in there to, uh, to get some speed on track as well. Okay. Is there a pecking order amongst the tire changers? Like, is there like one tire that's like the most glamorous position? I don't know about glamorous, but there's definitely, you know, a few tires that are either easier or harder, I guess, than the other. I'd say the outside rear tire is probably probably the more stressful position because you got to run around the car as the car comes into the pit box. Yeah. Um, where everybody else is pretty much stationary waiting for the car to come in front of them. So the, that tire for sure has a little bit more stress on them than probably the rest. But if you, as an outside rear, Trevor and myself have both changed outside rear, um, it's, you know you're going to be last, most likely. If everybody else does their job, you're going to be the last guy done no matter what you do. So there is that added bit of pressure that, you know, everybody could be waiting on me, me here. Um, inside front, you should be done first. And, um, you know, you may have your newer guys heading over the wall a lot there. Yeah. Um, but he's also going to make some front wing changes as well. So there's some pressure on them to, to get that tire done. Uh, for me, I think inside rear is is probably the hardest physical tire to change. Um, just the way you're, you're kind of crammed in there, it's very large, not a lot of room, and uh, some big static strength is definitely very important. And then outside front, you are um, typically the chief mechanic that changes that. Um so once you finish your stop, you're then watching fuel and, and pit road, and you're responsible for sending the car uh, 
where you're not going to make contact with somebody else. You're looking for, you know, a hole. Is there somebody coming? There's somebody coming around you. So they're all, they all share different responsibilities, but probably equally difficult, actually. I hadn't thought about the fact that you guys actually have to have to hurdle this wall. Does anybody ever, like, trip and fall? Usually, you know, <laughs> we are, uh, like you said earlier, we set up a little late, you know, so as the car's coming down pit lane, you have your fire set out, and you're sitting on pit, pit wall waiting waiting for the car to get there. So usually that isn't too big of a, of a problem. But we do have a bit of a, a blooper reel sometimes at the end of the year. Actually, <laughs> before the stop, sometimes afterwards cleaning up, there, there might be some struggle. Yeah, I was going to say, you'd probably never live that down. No, you can carry that around for a while, yeah. Um, okay, somebody told me that there's also a guy who has, like, a, a stick to, like, give the driver, like, a drink or something. Is that true, or, did, or was that my, my friend lie to me? Um, not more. Not really for us. NASCAR, I think you see that from time to time. But for us, not really. The uh, drivers have, uh, like, a Camelback uh, bag of water in the car that is pumped up into their helmet. So they can drink it whenever they want. Yeah, that seems like a lot better arrangement. And I was kind of picturing, like, like the the driver who's like, no, I want a chicken sandwich. I don't want water. That just I don't know. It's a, it seems you know everything else seems glamorous, and then to be like the food stick guy seems not as cool. Yeah, right, right. The drivers they they definitely get uh, a lot of assistance, whether it be what they eat, drink uh, during the day. You know, somebody takes care of their helmet, and uh, that's actually a funny story for for Elio. You know, Trevor and I both started in the sports car team, and Elio's driven on the Indy car team now for I think sixteen. Uh, years, yeah. and he came. He came to one of the the longer endurance races to be a, a third driver for us. And uh, we get to pit lane, and uh, he's hanging out there. He's going to get in the car, and he's asking where his helmet is. And he's like, well, on the sports car team, the drivers took care of their helmet, and on the <laughs> Indy car team, they have a guy that that does that for him. Right. So here he's in pit lane. We're waiting for him, and his helmet's back at the truck because nobody brought it out for him. So we we made him go get it, and uh, <laughs> so they get. They get plenty of help. They got a lot of people looking after them. What a bunch of prima donnas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so you were talking about uh, the kind of the preparation and, you know, how how long you wait to show your hand. I, I was curious, actually, if you could talk a little bit about strategy. I Like, do you go into the race with, like, an ideal schedule and then it changes as you react to, you know, weather or road conditions? Um, or do you kind of start out without any certainty when the first stop will be and you kind of make that plan as you go? How does that work? No, we actually spend a lot of time uh, pre-race uh, having a planned strategy. Some of it, is, you know, is dependent on where you qualify, um, you know, how your race car's been or not, how much speed you think you're going to have. But uh, each group will get together, typically the chief mechanic, the, the race strategists and engineers, and sort of go over that plan. And a lot of it's determined by how far you can go on fuel. So you can only go X amount of laps, right? So you, you know you're going to have to stop in 25 laps, whatever it is. So that gives you some sort of basis. And then you look back at past winners, you know, like the past three to four years, how many cautions there's been. Yeah, what the weather obviously is a factor, but it's the same factor for everyone. So you kind of deal with that. You look at all those things and decide, okay, what are we doing well right now or not? And you may adjust it from there. But typically you know it's going to be three stops or four stops. Um, and then you know when these, what we call windows, when they open up now. So maybe at three stops, you can pit um, at any time over eight laps. 
And so where you're at on track, if you're up front, you're probably going to go towards the end of that window. Yeah. Uh, if you're in the back, you may pit early and hope for a caution uh, so that if a caution comes out, you will now go from being, you know, 15th to 1st if nobody else has pitted yet. So there is a ton of strategy that goes into every race. And then it evolves rapidly as the race goes on. And I think, you know, I'm very fortunate that I get to, you know, listen to Roger and, and uh, you know, so many people have more experience than him at that. And it's very fun to, to watch and be a part of. Yeah, what's, is, it, is it more fun when the strategy changes a lot or is it more fun when you're able to, like, stick to your plan and just kind of execute what you had set out for yourselves? Definitely less stressful if you can just stick to a, yeah, yeah. To a plan and, you know, like it's a, a race that goes, you know, create a checker, you know, and you're out front, you, like you said, you just run a full spin out and fit and keep trucking and, you know, it's a little easy. Those are... Yeah, typically if it goes to plan, it's because you've had a fast car all weekend and yeah. you started up front and it just... You know, those, those are very nice, uh, you know, stressless weekends. But then there's times when you, you know, maybe you had a problem in qualifying that you're in the back. It's the whole time you're looking for any opportunity to get up front. And it really feels good when you can turn a bad day into a good one because of good strategy. What's like the, what's the most unexpected thing that you've, you guys have each ever had to adapt to in terms of the pit strategy? or whatever I've ever had. I guess probably be here last year. We, you know, kind of struggled a bit in qualifying and uh, about seven laps into the race, we got run into and uh, had to pit, put a rear wing on. And like I said, seven laps in the race, we were sitting 30th. And uh, yeah, at that point, you, you must feel like you have like the longest day ahead yeah. of the ride. You're like, wow, seven laps. This just started off absolutely, completely opposite of what you could hope for. So at that point, you're like, Man, we got 485 miles to go here. This is going to just be forever long. So, yeah. And then, you know, with the way strategy worked out all day, you know, kind of a pretty quick car after that, you know, you'd be able to crawl back to the front. So, in some way, was it, Trevor, was it like weirdly an advantage that you had to make that adjustment early on? Um, it, it's, it's one of those things, you know, we, we went to the back and, you know, we're able to, you know, move forward, but. You just never know. You're like, if that hadn't happened, what was the next thing that could have happened? You know, it's the right place, wrong time, or whatever. Yeah, and what about you, Travis? What's, like, the what's the biggest adjustment you've had to make that you didn't see coming? I think the you know, talking a little bit about weather can always be crazy. Uh, anytime that it, you know, it's going to start raining or not on a work course and when to pick. I, I can't pick out one particular one, I guess, right now, but that the weather always comes back in do we come in for slicks this lap or put, put wets back on or, you know, drivers usually screaming over the radio, uh, looking for information. It's a tough time for them. And uh, how that plays out, you, you're never sure until it's over. So I think the goofy strategy things definitely come when, when rain comes. Yeah, what's the, what's like the worst thing you guys have seen go wrong in pit lane? I'd have to say it was, uh, what was that two years ago, three years, three years, three years ago, uh, and in Sonoma, had a close call with uh, another competitor. Travis actually got hit, and I wasn't over the wall that year. So I was sitting there, like watching it kind of unfold there. That was probably the scariest thing I've probably seen in pit lane for sure. Wait, Travis, you got hit? Yeah, yeah, we had some contact. Yeah. Okay, so if we had some contact. I don't know if anybody's ever described a car accident that way before that I've heard. <laughs> what happened? 
Um, yeah, kind of like we talked about where you, you come in uh, together. Actually, then I was changing outside rear tires when we talked about where you have to run around the car. And um, with that, you, you try to clean up your equipment um, to give the guy behind you, in this case, uh, room to get out uh, as he's leaving. And um, so in doing that, it was one of these, uh, you know, worst, worst timing scenarios, last stop of the race. Um, everybody's going for the win. Uh, and, uh, you know, he cut it a bit close. And uh, actually, he got pretty lucky. He made contact with my tire as I was carrying it back. And uh, that kind of launched me a bit uh, into the air, but landed uh, as gracefully as good, I guess. I don't even remember what it was like. Uh, it happens, happens pretty fast. You know it's going to be close and um, end up being too close. So, uh, yeah, Trevor got to kind of drag me up a bit and, uh, you know, make sure all your uh, – yeah, everything's still working, and uh, lives to fight another day, I guess. Yeah, it's quite lucky, so. What are you guys wearing? Like, did you have a helmet on? Yep, so you have to wear, uh, mandatory to wear a uh, fire suit, um, fire-resistant gloves, socks, shoes, and uh, helmet, knee pads, and uh, that's really about it. That's yeah. pretty much it, yeah. Okay, but so you talked about this so calmly, but basically what happened is you were you were cleaning up, carrying a tire, the car hit the tire, you flew through the air, and then Trevor had to, like, scrape you off the pavement. That is pretty much what happened, right? That's pretty close. Pretty yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, I think the only thing I remember vividly is, is uh, you know, Trevor Trev was very quick, actually. You know, he, I don't know if there's some emergency response in his family because, uh, <laughs> you know, he was there uh, really fast. But uh, you're you're trying to sort it back out, and I remember him dragging me back. I'm like, yo, give me a minute here. I'm still gathering my thoughts. But uh, it's 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 great to be able to laugh about it now, and yeah, and joke. it's something that uh, we don't want. Were you injured at all, or just shaken up? No, just shaken up. Honestly, a couple of bruises and a bit sore the next day, but I got very lucky. Can't can't complain at all. What should we be watching for in pit lane this weekend? I think this weekend. Uh, as it's pretty cool. As the race goes on, we use some special fuel tanks here that, that take uh, more time as the fuel gets lower due to less pressure behind it. So the, the fuel is going to take longer and longer. It's going to get up to probably eight, eight and a half seconds towards the end. Oh, so it's an eternity. Is, yeah, it feels like forever. Uh, you, you start to question, did, did he get in right away? Is, is the flapper open? But um, there's a lot of pressure on the fueler since that takes so long here. So you want to watch for the fueler to get in uh, quickly as the car comes to a stop and uh, watch those downforce level changes. So guys getting up after they change their tire and then watch that car afterwards and see how it goes. Because if it, if it goes quick, you're going to see a lot of guys doing the same thing. And if it, if it slows down, you know, they went too far. And um, so those are some key factors that are going to play a major role in the outcome of the race. And, and with that, you may see Miller race and guys short fill the car, which won't be obvious to tell at the time other than, wow, that fuel was quite quick, but you'll see they have to come in early after that, you know, the following stint is going to be cut short, you know, five to six laps. So you're going to see a lot of strategy on pit road and uh, watch for those yellow stops and everybody comes in together and see who the, the big winners and losers are. Got it. Well, I don't know how you guys have patience for anything normal in life, like waiting in line at the grocery store or, I don't know, filling up a normal car. But uh, good luck this weekend, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.
And that's our show. Higher World Works is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jack Dillon. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. Also, don't forget to check out our other show, The Most Useful Podcast Ever. And if you want to read more about IndyCar, check out our website, popularmechanics.com podcasts. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital editions of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 for one year. I'm Kevin Dupsick. Thanks for listening. <laughs>